Welcome to Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. Here's your host, Ben Wilson. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. I'm your host, Ben Wilson, and my bulldog Rodney is here by my side as usual. Today we're talking about two of my favorite topics, sports and marketing. And my friend, Andrea Campo from Throne Media has stopped by the show to give her insight on these topics. Andrea is the co-founder of Throne Media in Miami and represents athletes and companies of all sizes in building their brand and marketing that brand in the best way possible. Andrea is a 15-year veteran of the worlds of TV hosting and media and has worked with Miami Dolphins, Florida Panthers, and WWE's NXT brand during her award-winning career. Please welcome Andrea Campo to Live in the Dream. Andrea, thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, Ben, thank you so much for having me. I've been really excited to finally do this. Yeah, no, I'm glad you're able to come on. I, I know you've been busy just like I have, and that's a good problem to have, especially when you start a brand new media company. So tell me about Throne Media, why you started, and why Throne Media stands out in the world of marketing and brand representation. Well, I think, as you know, and a lot of people have been able to gather, is the fact that the media landscape has been changing for quite some time. And my background as a producer and a TV host, the world of sports and, and, and lifestyle, I saw this trend in regard to like social media and marketing pretty much take the lead many years ago when a lot of people weren't really jumping on you know social media and the importance of branding. So I understood that you needed to be a proponent of your own brand when I was doing broadcasting. So I really understood that you needed to be your own personal advocate to really create opportunities in the world of broadcasting and marketing. And throughout the trajectory of my career, I saw that it went hand in hand. And when I wanted to, I would say, reinvent myself and just stay in the world of of entertainment and media and whatnot, I just thought it would be a perfect opportunity to blend my talents, my experience, and the way I saw marketing and the way I actually saw the trends. And I said, you know, let me just really continue to focus on that. And that's when I launched my first company, which was Social Sided Media. And I did a lot of consultation for companies and people. And then little by little, I just started becoming really popular and I started getting booked a lot. And that's when I merged forces with my business partner, Lizzie Molina, and her background was in sports. And then that's how Throne Media was born. What's interesting is that both of our background is in sports. So we have a certain perspective as to what storytelling and brand and marketing is all about. So we use our perspective to really be able to just bring brands, not just in the world of sports, but also as a business. So my background is a producer and I really believe in storytelling. And I really believe that's where any brand really starts. And my business partner, Lizzie, her background is in public relations and she was worked in sports. So we just had a perfect marriage and thank goodness we've had a very successful run thus far. And we've been in business one year, but collectively my background is 15 plus years and her background is eight plus years. So we're just, you know, taking it day by day and incredibly lucky that we have this opportunity. Yeah. I didn't realize it had been a year since you started throwing me. I guess, you know, time flies. Yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. I mean, Lizzie and I, we look at each other, we're like, it's crazy how it's been a year that we've been able to take throne media and, and really understand what our process is. And I think as you know, any startup, I think that's the most important thing. And it takes a while to really understand what you, what your business model looks like and the rhythm of how you're really going to be able to service your clients. Right. 
So what are the hottest trends in marketing right now? I love that question because at the end of the day, you're going to get different types of opinions from a lot of people. And I, I'm not going to necessarily call it a trend because we all know video is where it's at. But if anybody tells me if I were to invest in anything right now for my business, I, I honestly say that video is incredibly important because that's really where our eyes are going. I really tell brands and people to really try to figure out how you can really invest and video. It's a trend that's here to stay. And it's a trend that's only going to get bigger and it's always going to create opportunity. So I always say video. I think it's really interesting, the text marketing opportunities. I think if you can really personalize your message, I honestly think the mass message is is gone. And I think if you're not really personalizing your messages and really understanding who your demographic is, I think you're really missing a mark. I love text messaging to be able to really connect with your with your followers. And that's something that Throne Media, we're going to be doing. We want to be able to talk to our followers who are in love with what we do, right? So I think text messaging is something that I I really believe in, and it's a proponent that we are definitely going to be able to do. Podcasting, I mean, you are doing it right now. I think podcasting is here to stay, and I think it's transforming itself. I think podcasting is an incredible way to really accomplish so many things in many different industries. I I love chatbots online. I love that feature. I mean, obviously, we love to speak to people, but I think the fact that chatbots are available to be able to always service your customer. I think that's also a very interesting um, add-on in regards to your digital marketing. It really is all about your customer experience. And I think you need to hone in on your customer experience and see what that may look like. Yeah. You know, I guess it's interesting because if you're representing an athlete, I mean, that's going to be different if you're representing a law firm because, and you know, being a lawyer, we don't really we're big in email and we're do conference calls and stuff like that, but we don't do the text chat. I want to ask you about that text chat though. I mean, where are you seeing that more with, with businesses? Cause I know at least like if I go to certain services, like when I book my appointment, you know, they'll send me a text that'll just say, okay, that your, your haircut's reserved for this day at this time. Is that more of what you're seeing or are you seeing it with like a whole bunch of other things? I'm seeing it now with a whole bunch of other things. I'm seeing it being, like I said, a customer experience. It's not black and white anymore. I'm seeing a lot of celebrities, for example, embrace the text message. So that looks like my favorite comedian, Liza. She is really Eliza. I think that's how you pronounce her name. But the whole point is that she has a text message where she sends really funny messages to her to her fans you know, and it just feels personalized. And for example, how we want to be able to integrate it in Throne Media, we want to be able to give actual facts, marketing facts and marketing 101 tidbits, always offering value to people, whether it's entertainment or value, but opposed to saying press one, right? Or press two. I think it's a really great way to engage your audience and educate them and maybe just create a space for them to inquire a little bit more as to what you offer. And I think a lot of athletes are definitely starting to embrace that. That's something that we suggest to our athletes. You know, this is a great text message campaign. I mean, wouldn't you want to hear from your favorite artists every morning, whether it's an inspirational message, right? So I think it's turning into something a little bit more organic and a little bit deeper. So is that something like, let's just say an athlete, LeBron James, for example, 
So like people could go to his website and they sign up for this message. And so if LeBron James sends out a, a message, it just goes to everyone who signed up for that list. Is that how they build that? Exactly. And it's a great way to build your email list. It's a great way just to get more engagement with your fans. And I mean, wouldn't you, if you were a LeBron James fan, wouldn't you want to get, a, you know, whether it's an inspirational message in the morning or if you love basketball, how about if he were to give you some tips, you know, basketball 101? It's, it definitely just takes it way beyond what we are used to. And I think that's from a consumer perspective, we want more than what we've been seeing. And is that something that you look at more like if you're in the entertainment business or I guess it could still apply like for realtors and you know salons, things like that? 100% because the way we look at the types of people that we work with, you know, whether you're an athlete or a company, we want to be able to humanize your brand, right? And we, we, we don't work with everyone. We don't want to work with everyone. Everybody has a story. And I really feel if you can really humanize what you're doing for people, whether it's a service, it could be a hair salon, there's always so much value that you can offer your customers. And it's just really a matter of dissecting it to see what is that? What does that look like? And I think that if you can really humanize your brand and communicate that through different avenues, you're never going to lose, whether it's text message or video. But I love love to look at a brand and just make it a superstar. And I think that's how Throne Media differentiates itself from the rest. Right. So sticking on the world of athletes, since you guys do a lot of that, and of course your background is in that with Miami Dolphins and the Panthers and WWE NXT, what's it like representing an athlete? Because, you know, when I grew up, I mean, our athletes that we, we liked were, you know, it was in the eighties. And so you had like Dwight Gooden from the Mets, and you had Ozzie Smith from the Cardinals, and uh, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Charles Barkley. You didn't have Instagram, you didn't have Facebook, and and really a lot of athletes until Michael Jordan. I don't really remember that many athletes having too many endorsement deals. I mean, maybe Magic Johnson did. I think Dr. J had some, but it wasn't like it is today, where it's like if you're any kind of athlete, you have some type of shoe deal. You have some type of other endorsement and it's just on and on. So to me, the athletes aren't just ball players anymore. They're really brands. So what's it like representing the modern athlete? I mean, I think it's an exciting time. I think the playing field has been evened out because I feel that the big fish, you know, the big names that you just named obviously got opportunities in regards to the world of um, endorsements and whatnot. But I think the little fish, you know, regardless of what team you're, you're on, I think everybody else is getting opportunities just because they see that there's a space for them in social media really changed that. And it's great because it not only happened for athletes, but it also happened for the influencer. It's like the somebody that I don't want to say like the average Joe that actually created opportunity for themselves. So I think it's an amazing space that we're all in. But I think now what's changed is the fact that the stakes are higher. Just because you are an athlete and this is what we're seeing, just because you are an athlete doesn't mean you are going to get the endorsements anymore. <laughs> it definitely 
Now we're really, the brands are looking for athletes that have a story to tell, that have their social media game incredibly strong. And that means curated feeds, professional videography. You know, these brands are just, they're, you know, because now the, the market is pretty saturated. And now when we sit down with athletes, we really want to be able to have them love and be the proponent for their brand. And we always say that we can't want it more than them. We want to be able to create viable business opportunities and and just really create something that they can be proud of five years from now and not just, you know, a flash in the pan, one month deal. We really try to uh, break down their business model and we really try to create and align opportunities with brands that love what they stand for. And that's why I think you're never going to lose with storytelling and you're never going to lose with offering value. But I think you really need to humanize these athletes. And that's what I really love. And my business partner, Lizzie, she loves doing that too, because it's like, who is the person behind the athlete? And I think that's when an actual athlete wins when they're like, you know, I'm just like you, but I just, you know, this, this is my story and I'm going to get really real with you. And I think that's where social media storytelling and branding, I think that's where it's going just because it's so much white noise out there. What's really going to get our attention now? Well, even if you think about like how ESPN is transformed, I mean, you know, when I was growing up, what you watched on ESPN is they had about three or four episodes of Sports Center. They had the ball games, and that was it. And now you've got ESPN videos, a 30 for 30, even with WWE, with the wrestling. I mean, it's not just the wrestling. They have the WWE Network, and then they have their their videos about going back in time, like the Attitude Era or things like that. So these videos are very important. I guess one thing with athletes, though, is it harder for, let's say, one sport to one athlete in one sport to be marketed over another? Because my my thought is this. I think the basketball guys may have it easier because they don't play with helmets on and you can see their face. You know what they look like. So if you see that person out in public, you know who that basketball player is a lot of times, whereas in football, the guys have helmets on, so you may not really know who all those guys are unless it's like a Tom Brady or a Drew Brees or somebody that is just out there a lot. Is that is that a fair statement or not? Or is it just, hey, you got to get a good marketing? I mean, I never, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've never really looked at it that way. I just feel like, what number one, what do you stand for? Number two, what do you want to be known for? Number three, what's your story? So I think that's just like very surface level stuff because you can not have a hel- helmet, but not want to talk about yourself and or not want to represent a nonprofit or not really care about the, you know, the long-term aspect of your business. You know, so I rather work with an athlete that even though he has a helmet on, I'll be able to really tell his story, create business opportunities and really help his platform in addition to helping others. So I think we need to dig a little bit deeper as to, you know, you may not be the superstar, but if, if, but if you're in this for the long haul, I think we'll be able to build something. And if they understand that, you know, their career may not last 10 years, it may just last four years. So what does that look like? How, how can we help you? And what do you want to do in regards to your legacy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to ask that question because it's like, you know, I think of football in the NFL and usually your quarterbacks, you know, they're focusing on them and when they're on the sidelines and they have their helmet off, they're focusing on the quarterback or whatever, but they don't always focus on the, the, the free safety or the offensive guard or the offensive tackle. 
<laughs> You're absolutely right. You're absolutely. But I think that's when, that's what we say we don't want to work with all athletes. I think it really boils down to if an athlete or even a company, are they, are you guys hungry enough to create this opportunity with us? If you guys want this more than us, because obviously it's your life, it's your, you know, your viability, let's help you do that. And I just think it comes down to somebody's personality and somebody's understanding of what's going on in the, in the world of media and PR. And although their job has to be on the field, I think there are a lot of athletes that are understanding that now is the time to capitalize in regards to what they're doing on the field as well and off. So transitioning from athletes and celebrities, let's talk about people who aren't celebrities. Let's say you know, someone comes to you and they want to start a, a brand new business or, or a podcast or whatever, but they're not a celebrity. What are your important marketing tips you give that person? You know, for me, I have such a passion with working with people who are regular Joes, you know, just like me and just like anybody who, I mean, we all started somewhere. I think the most important thing, and I will go back and I will always say this, you need to want it more than your marketing agency or, or whoever you have around you. I think you need to be very hungry and really, it really boils down to your story. If you understand what you're, what you stand for as a brand and your experience and how you want to help people, and it doesn't matter if you're just selling a spatula, you know, there's a reason why you want to do something. And if we can really understand as to breaking it down and create a story within your brand, that is a really great place to start. It, for example, and I can't work with every brand or every person, you know, if a person comes to me and says that they want to be able to execute something and there's not a lot of meat to it, I can't bring that to life. You know what I mean? It's like, I need tools and I just, I mean, I need a story to be able to bring somebody to life. And, you know, obviously there is social media, right? If you want, just want to do the black and white, it's like, if you want to be able to become a brand or if you want to be able to build something, I would say, number one, identify your story, identify your why. I say you need to identify your why because building a brand or a business is going to take a lot of guts and a lot of rejection and some challenges. And when you face that, you need to always go back to your why to not get discouraged and really start with your digital ecosystem. So what does that look like? Do you have a website? That's great. What are you selling? Fantastic. Is it connected to your customer experience, which is potentially where you're taking your customer's through social media, are they finding you on social media? And just really understanding really what comes first. I love to start with social media, depending on where somebody's demographic lives, and I like to build out. So if your ideal customer starts on Instagram, okay, let's take them to your website. And what's the story, right? What is the customer experience as to why will they end up on your actual website? Does that make sense? And listen, I love to tell people that there's not one formula. And I think that's why it's so exciting now. And at the same time, it could be overwhelming because it's not a formula. It, you know, not everybody's going to start with Instagram and not everybody's going to start with a website. But the beautiful thing is that everybody has had their own path to take. I just feel that with Throne Medium, the way we've looked at business, and I do a lot of one-on-one consulting with female entrepreneurs, I love to be able to create and curate that personal brand experience and build somebody's brand from the start. Yeah. You know, it's interesting with social media because that's the main way I market the podcast. And of course, I mean, I, I just do it for fun 
Oh, you do you do such a great job, Ben. By the way, but I feel like it's kind of unique because on Facebook, most of my Facebook friends are people from Kentucky that I grew up with, or they're from Miami, and so my listening audience is you know heavily from those areas. But it's like Facebook, I get such a much better response from the Kentucky people, but yet on Instagram, I get a much better response from the Miami people. Which is interesting, right? Because you're seeing a shift and you're like, okay, this is where these demos live. Number one, why? And number two, if you want to change or if you want to expand, how are you going to do that? But it's really great that you're hitting those two target markets. But one thing I wanted to ask you about though is you'll set up the page on Facebook and you do the ads and all that kind of stuff. And it's like if if I post on Facebook on the page, it'll maybe go to like 30 people or whatever. And then they want you to boost it. And then it's like, well, now you've got to set up a business manager account. And I haven't done that. But have you worked with clients on with their Facebook pages and they've had big success on that? Because I've heard this, the success stories, but yet, you know, I just get so much more traction when I post on my personal page. Yeah, it's very interesting. And like I said, it's not a formula. Like obviously we have Facebook ads and we definitely have a team within Throne Media that specializes in doing that. I just think it really depends on number one, your budget, right? It depends on your budget. There's people that have been very successful without putting Facebook ads, but I always say it's important to have a strategy, a marketing strategy. And Facebook has been very successful with giving you the pertinent information like demographics, where do they live? And, you know, just the numbers are really, it's really going to dictate how much, like where you want to be able to put your money in. Like people have great success doing it very organically. But I think if you have a hybrid between, you know, doing your own guerrilla marketing, I say like online guerrilla marketing versus, you know, your online digital marketing and actually putting some dollars in, I think it's going to move the needle, but you need to test it. You know, just because you do it one way does not mean there's, you know, you have to do a lot of testing, split testing, A testing and B testing. And I think that's where a lot of people get a little bit tired because it takes time. And I think people are so used to the instant gratification (laughs) <laughs> right? It's like, it's not working. It's like, it, it is going to work. You just may have to create different ads and be really mindful that you're, you need to be in this for the long haul. So if you are really launching a podcast, you can't assume that it's going to blow up because it's just been around for two months and you've been putting money. You know what I mean? That's why I think strategy is very important creating a strategy and creating a content strategy and understanding that it may look like six months. But remember, I say the stakes are higher and the consistency and the people that stay in the game, those are the ones that are going to win. The big point to me that you made there is you got to have a good story. And I think it, it starts with content and it brought me back because you know, you're in wrestling and I'm, I'm a huge fan. The wrestlers that are good wrestlers, it matters how good you are in the ring. But it all comes down to your story. And so like some of the greatest wrestlers of all time, Dusty Rhodes in NWA, he had the story, you know, the the son of the plumber, uh, hard times, Hulk Hogan story, Stone Cold, Steve Austin. And and that's a huge success now in, in wrestling. I mean, you, you saw it probably with NXT. Those guys spend a lot of time in character development, their promos. And so it all comes down to the story because that's what wrestling is. And that's what hooks the fan. I'm telling you, when I worked for the WWE, it was the most interesting experience. And I love that you did echo that. It does come down to the story. 
you have your heels and your faces. And it really comes down to, because everybody, we're all going to gravitate to a certain type of person, you know, a certain type of good guy versus bad guy. And it really takes, it's, it's really psychological. And a lot of the times people don't understand that there's, it's so simple yet complex, you know, but if you can grab your fan because of your story, you will not lose. And I think that's why the stakes are higher. You need to be very honest with, with what you're putting out there, because I think now more than ever, we're so hungry for connection. Now more than ever, because we've seen all the pretty pictures, we've seen all the glitz and glamour, we see the Photoshop. I think that's where we can really achieve what we want as a brand, as a person. And I think the longevity as even a wrestler, you know, it's like if you have a good story, you're not going to lose. And you see that from athletes to wrestlers. And that is really the one theme that I've seen throughout my entire career. And as a producer, I love being able to tell the story. You know, at the end of the day, if you can tell a good story, you will not lose no matter what type of medium you use to put your brand out there or any type of launch out there. One thing I want to ask you about is the email list. How important is it to grow the email list? Because I mean, I'm a, I'm a big email person, but I'm also a lawyer. So that's how we communicate primarily. So, you know, you see companies will say, okay, we'll pay, pay us $750 or whatever. We'll send out to our email list for this or that. To me, it's like, I think it's good in a way to like help get your name out and stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, how much, how effective is that? I think it's important to grow your own email list as big as you can. Yes. I'm a huge proponent on email lists. And this is why at the end of the day, what will happen and it has happened when Instagram goes down and all of a sudden you don't see your followers anymore. You know, so I essentially as a business, you want to be able to turn your followers into customers, you know, ideally if you really are a business. And I think if you really give all the the autonomy and just allow social media to just do its thing and just cross your fingers that that's what's going to convert, you may be leaving money on the table because if you were to create your own personal email list, you own that. You have an opportunity to talk to your fans even when third party apps are down. And I think that's really where it boils down to, because what did you do when Instagram went down? You know, (laughs) were you like, oh my gosh, I was like that. But I think that's really what it comes down to. You really want to be able to have influence and you want to be able to have direct access to the people that you can convert into customers or fans. And unfortunately, when you, you don't own Facebook, you know, what happens if they all, if they all disappear tomorrow and you don't have an email list and you were just counting on your on your followers to go to your podcast, to buy your product, to watch your TV show, you're going to be screwed. Right. No, that that's true. And it all goes back to strategy. A lot of the times we get very caught up in the in the creative process and I get it because I'm a creative and I it took me such a long time to really figure out, you know, okay, how do I get my genius, right? My creative stuff and like connected to business and how do I create strategy around it? But when I really saw things clicking, that's when I created a business out of it. And I started to show people how to do it. It just challenging because we're only one person. And then you got to get to a point where you need to outsource or help people build your brand. I always say no man is an island and you're going to need help to be able to create something. Right. No, I, I agree. And I, 
I mean, I like having multiple avenues, just like you said, because I mean, if Facebook goes down or Instagram goes down and you don't have an email list. Are you on Twitter? Are you on TikTok? You know what I mean? Like what happens? Do you have a website? Do you have your own email list? I think it's just really understanding that there's so much work. I mean, Ben, you, you spend so much time creating this awesome podcast, right? It would be such a shame if for some reason your strategy and your marketing and your digital outreach was not in place. If, because if, you know, if things go south, you want to be able to have something that works for you and not against you when, you know, when things hit the fan. Right. No, I agree. So I want to transition into uh, social media with businesses and then generating revenue because every business now, most of them, they have the website and so much retail and buying food and everything is on the website. I mean, we're, we're going through the coronavirus situation. You've got people buying stuff online, having food shipped, the Amazon Prime delivery, all of that stuff. And we know that's not going to go away. So what are your tips for companies to grow their brand through and revenue through social media? Well, I think it's an amazing time for anybody to be able to create a business. I think a lot of time people want to throw spaghetti against the wall and just cross their fingers as to what's going to stick. I think that is not going to work anymore. I think you need to be very mindful because time is money and money is time, right? I think you really need to figure out and hone in what you're passionate about, right? Because like I said, if you don't connect your why, you're going to lose just because things are a little bit more challenging now, right? So you need to be very mindful as to what you sell. Are you passionate about it? Doing market research and being able to get the pertinent information to be able to start reaching the right people. Just because you have 50,000 followers does not mean it's going to be 50,000 people buying your product. Does that make sense? Right. So I will say this, like, you know, since I've been in the world of sports for so long, I started to pivot in consulting female entrepreneurs to up-level their brand. But guess what? My following was not the 40K, 50K that you see in women on my Instagram. So I was like, oh my gosh, a lot of it were male. So that doesn't mean I was going to sell 40 one-on-one, you know, 40K one-on-one consulting packages. Does that make sense? Right. No, it does. So I think your research really has to be on point. And I think you need to do your due diligence to figure out what that looks like, what the demographic looks like, and then start building content around that. And just being able to figure out what your customer's journey is going to look like and really create the digital ecosystem. And I think if you have engaging content and really understand how to take the customer to finally your shopping cart, that is where you're going to win. But it doesn't end just on Instagram. We need to be able to take your customer, your potential customer, and take them somewhere else to be able to do that transaction. It's great right now because you can have a shoppable Instagram feed. But remember, it all takes time to learn that and really understand that you need to stay in your zone of genius just because, you know, you're a good content creator. I mean, just because I love creation and be, you know, just because I'm a good producer does not mean I'm a great Facebook ads person. I outsource that to my amazing team. And I think it's understanding when to pass the baton and understanding what your digital ecosystem looks like. You can sell candles, you can sell shoes, but really understand what the buyer's journey looks like, understand who your audience is and understand who your competitors are and really be grounded to what makes you different in your story. Because listen, if you're not passionate about what you do, people are going to know that. 
people are going to know <laughs> that you're just trying to make a quick buck. And I personally buy from people's stories, you know? So I think that's really where you need to connect humanizing your brand to be able to finally capture people's attention. And let me tell you, I mean, you can quote me over and over, stakes are higher. Just because you're an athlete and have huge followings does not mean it's going to convert into dollars. And I think that's where you're going to need to really understand that. You need to put your heart and soul into it. And I think you're never going to lose with your story. Right. Well, switching from there to social media influencers, because a lot of companies, they want to work with athletes or these Instagram models or people who are social media influencers. What are your tips for companies when they're looking to work with these influencers and they're evaluating them for their brand? I love that question. I think influencer marketing is definitely changing. I think it's valuable, but I think it's um, transforming. I think taking pictures with a product in your hand and making a beautiful picture, I think there's a time and place for it. But I think now the fact that we're seeing the same type of picture over and over again I think you need to start to really change your content creation strategy. I think influencers need to really embrace video. I think you need to be really creative with your content. I mean, I used to do a lot of influencer marketing, but I got tired. I got tired taking pictures. <laughs> I mean, my form is video and that's really where I can always turn out content through video. But I honestly think influencers need to be a little smarter in regards to their business. You know, it's like, what is going to make them stay for the long haul? And I really believe in micro influencers because I'm telling you, if you have 50,000 followers does not mean you're going to have 50,000 customers. This influencer out there really needs to be engaging with their, with their audience. And I'd rather work with an influencer that may have 2,000 followers and has incredible engagement than an influencer that may have 100K followers and they, they don't talk to their audience. For me, that's not connection. And so I think brands need to figure out what their end game is. And I think micro influencers really do the legwork. And just because you have all those followers does not mean it's going to turn into sales. Are you seeing more companies that they're focusing more on the Instagram stories now and even Facebook stories as opposed to the post? Absolutely. I think it's important to have a hybrid of both. And I think it just really comes down to a brand's budget. But a lot of the times the way, um, you know, viewers and people on social media, what are their habits? I always go to Instagram stories first before I go to a post. So a lot of the times it's, it's a way to be able to breadcrumb your audience to go to a post, but 100%, I think you really need to integrate Instagram stories because it's a little bit more, it can be more dynamic just because now Instagram is adopting so many other features that, you know, Snapchat had. So I honestly think Instagram stories, it's where it's at. It's really where you can do a swipe up feature with 10K followers or more. And I think it's just a very dynamic way to be able to to create that customer experience. And I think that's really, when it comes down to everything that we're talking about, it boils down to your customer experience. And what does that look like? From your Instagram story to a post, to your website, what where are we taking them? And what is that interaction like? I agree because I will say that the Instagram stories to me, I think have become more effective over the past couple of years because, I mean, well, you know, I worked with influencers and things like that. And I would always want a page post. And I, and I still would want a page post if I was doing it today. But because I just didn't think Instagram stories were as effective, but I'm just seeing more and more. And even my own 
Facebook story. I'm mean, I, I'm not one to go around and video myself and all all that. Just <laughs> I really don't care to do that. But I mean, I posted the other day about my podcast, and when I post about that, I mean, I'll get I'll, I'll get several thousands of, of people just to view the story, and that's even more than the the number of followers I have. So I was like, well, hey, I'm going to keep doing it, and it. I was just really, really surprised how much it's increased. Move the needle for you, right? Yeah. So I just thought that was something that was definitely interesting. And it's kind of going back to your point about stressing the importance of video. You know, that's people want that more human connection where you don't always get that with a, a post of someone smiling with a dog. Of course, you know. And it's so interesting because I think every, you know, aspect, for example, Instagram story and a, a post, each offers a certain type of value, right? I mean, for me to have a certain post on there, because obviously I always say that your Instagram is your representation, is like your business card, and your Instagram story is going to disappear within 24 hours. There's value in creating different types of content for different types of reasons. Right. So I think the fact that a post can last longer is very valuable, but I think it's important how dynamic an Instagram story is and how do we take the actual person to your actual post. And I think that's where they can go back to your post after 24 hours, think about it, click on it and, and love your post. Does that make sense? And I think that's where it, it matters. Yeah. That's why I would always insist on a page post because I'm like, all right, a story is only there for. 24 hours. And the thing is, is if you've got somebody that's got like 10 stories on there, well, I didn't have the patience to sit there and go through 10 stories. Yes. It has to be incredibly engaging. Yeah. Cause if I see somebody has like a billion stories, like little Instagram stories, uh, chances are I may not hear you all of it, <laughs> you know? Right. So if you're evaluating a, an influencer, cause I mean, I've seen influencers work a couple of different ways for me as a business owner. I need to have some type of guarantee or some type of protection that, all right, if I work with this influencer, I'm not shelling out a bunch of money and getting very, very little in return as far as revenue. But I can see from the influencer's perspective, it's like, well, you know what? I want my $2,000 a post or 5000 or whatever, 500 whatever they charge. But in a way, my argument is always, well, hey, if your engagement is really that good, and you really believe in your 100,000 followers or million followers or whatever, you should make more money on a commission percentage, even if it's like 20% or something. If your fans are legit, you should make more money on the commission. So what do you say to that? Well, it really depends. I mean, it's honestly, there's not one formula and some people may disagree with me and it's just my personal experience because my experience comes from number one. I have been, you know, I have been, the influencer and negotiating. And now I'm helping athletes become influencers and people, you know, so I've been on both sides of the coin and understanding that trends are shifting. I guarantee on an ROI, there's no such thing, number one, because that's just the world of marketing. That is the world of media. And I think it's a risk. I think there is a time and place for influencer marketing, I think the risk needs to be, you know, you need to weigh that risk. It just really depends on the actual influencer and what they're doing. Not every influencer is the same. Their messaging is not going to be the same and it is a risk, but it is a billion dollar industry. And if a brand does have money allocated for influencer marketing, they do have to ask now, is it worth it? Because now, for example, 
I always give our potential brands, you know, just the example. I'm like, listen, you can spend $50,000 on your influencer marketing or take that $50,000 or create an online series where we can create long form content, short form content, or pitch it to Netflix. Where do you want to go? Does that make sense? Or there's just so many other avenues, right? But there is a time and or let's do a hybrid. Let's do an online series in addition to some influencer marketing when we actually launch. I think there's a time and place for everything. I think an ROI is not guaranteed. A lot of the times on commission, sometimes the fact that it's not guaranteed is would be a risk for your actual influencer because at the end of the day, you don't you can be in touch with your followers buying habits. But how about if it doesn't go well and you put all of this money in creating this amazing content? Sometimes you want the sure thing. And it just really depends on whether or not the influencer is business savvy. You know, if they're actually represented by agencies out there, there's so many variables. But I always say it is risky. You need to have an allocated budget and just be ready to measure. And I think after when you experience these interactions with influencers, that's when you see if it was if it was worthwhile or not. Yeah. And I guess it comes down to the fact too, it's like, Hey, if you're dealing with Sophia Vergara or, or JLo, you know, they're going to say, all right, my fee is this and they don't take commissions or whatever, but yeah, non-negotiable. No, it's, it is what it is. But yet they're at such a high level that, Hey, if your brand is associated with one of them, you know, you're getting goodwill for it. So it, it's, worth it. But for somebody else, you may be like, well, you know, I don't know, but it kind of comes down to these specialists too. Cause I mean, even in the podcast world, there are some people that, you know, you really don't know that much about them, but if you're in the podcast world, working with so-and-so is such a huge deal, or it could be someone in the world of cooking or, you know, book reviews or whatever. So there are so many people that are just specialists within their field that they're not known nationwide that if you're working with that person, that that's a huge deal. 100%. And that's where I go back to the micro influencers. If they are really popular within their niche, chances are you will get a return on your investment. You know, it's just, I honestly think it's something that you need to be consistent of and start measuring because just because you work with one influencer doesn't mean it's going to be the same experience across the board. And I think that's where it's risky, but you need to constantly be evolving. And remember, now influencers need to show the fact that it's an ad. And now just because, you know, I see influencers holding up every type of bottle, I don't know if I want to trust them, you know, because sometimes, you know, we want to be a little bit more authentic with what we represent. And there's a lot of influencers just because you're representing or getting hired by a lot of brands doesn't mean you're going to win all the time. Well, and it doesn't mean that after your first contract, you're, you're going to get a second contract. Exactly. That's why your execution needs to really be on point. And you do need to invest, in my opinion, in your campaign from an influencer perspective and a brand perspective. Right. So I guess if somebody wants to be an influencer, what are your tips for them? I mean, we've touched on them a little bit, but I guess just kind of hammer home. What do you think is important for someone to become an influencer? Yeah, I think you really need to be very genuine as to why you want to be an influencer. I think the days are gone that people just want to, you know, get the clout and just live in this fantasy land of like, 
this is, you know what I mean? I just think you need to be really touched into why you want to be an influencer. What are you going to be influencing? And I think you need to be offering value. And this is the thing, like you're, this is my opinion and you may get a very different opinion. It's like, I'm not going to consume personally. And when I'm around brands and the, you know, I align myself with athletes and brands and for our business, people that think very similar to us, I think you always need to be offering value. Does that make sense? So I think you need to be really, really in touch with why you want to be an influencer, how you're going to influence people, what your content strategy would be and understand that you need to be committed to it. And just because it didn't work the first time or second time or third time does not mean you're not going to be successful. You just need to be persistent. And at the same time, understand that you may have to do a lot of free work because remember the stakes are higher. (laughs) The picture that this, uh, you know, successful influencers are taking. If you take that same picture or same content strategy, that may not work. That's why influencers' personalities really, really matter. That's where you're going to win in the long game. You know, there's only so many of those top influencers. Now you really need to be who you are. And that's why you're going to be able to be successful. Embrace your differences. Embrace what makes you special. Do not try to be like other people just because now, Ben, everybody's looking like the same thing on social media. Am I wrong or wrong? (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess from my perspective as a guy, I mean, you know, with Instagram, you had so many of these influencers that, you know, they would post with this vodka or this restaurant or whatever, but it was just, you know, a girl in a bikini or a girl in a tight outfit or whatever. So it was all about selling the look. And, you know, some guys would be that way too, to, to appeal to women. But I think the ones that are really successful, it comes down to their story and personality, like you mentioned. And I go back to it. I've mentioned it before. You got to look at the Kardashians on it because whether you like. I, yeah, my business partner and I, we talk about that all the time. We always go back to the Kardashian effect. Yeah, because I mean, whether you like the Kardashians or not, if you look at how Kim Kardashian has evolved before she was the socialite hanging out with Paris Hilton and all this, and now they've been on TV. But now, I mean, she's gone into real substantive things where they've talked about business ownership and being a mom and the same with the. Kylie Jenner and all that. So they get more substantive and it's more, I guess it's more polished and professional and they've grown along the way. I completely agree. I mean, it doesn't matter if you like them or not. It's just like, look at their career trajectory, look what they have turned it into and look at the substance. And obviously you have the entertainment factor in there, but you can't take away what they have done. And I think that's the perfect blueprint. Remember, they've been doing this for more than 10 years. So they've pretty much perfected that blueprint, but you can take a page from that book and create your own online series, podcast, YouTube series, like whatever, you know? And I think it's a great example that you just brought that up. Well, I even think of like the, you know, going back to wrestling again, but if you look at a lot of the women who are in wrestling right now, I mean, you've got Mandy Rose and Natalia, Charlotte Flair, and of course the the male wrestlers too. It's not just about what they do in the ring. They're also doing things where they're on their Instagram story and they're on their, they'll do podcasts like the New Day have a podcast, but like Mandy Rose in particular, because I, you know, she lives in South Florida as well, but she's also doing things about her training online or different speaking engagements. And honestly, that's, that's really genius because at the end of the day, you know, like any athlete, it's great that they have different revenue sources. It's like Mandy 
when she started, I was at the performance center as well. And it's just great to see, you know, I love that you, you chose her because I've seen her career evolve. You know, she's been into, in the world of fitness. Obviously she's a very successful WWE superstar, you know, and she's launching a makeup line. So now she's tapping into all of these other things that is not just singular in regards to wrestling. I think that's, you know, that's a really great example as to how you should embrace this world. Yeah, well, and I think the other thing that she does a good job of, I mean, she has a lot of stories, but she incorporates the the human part of it because she does a lot with her mom. So apparently, like, you know, I guess her mom lives with her and helps because you know how the rest of her schedule is, is you're here today, you're out for a week and all, all that kind of stuff. But her mom's like pretty funny. And so it kind of brings humor into to her personality. And But a lot of different athletes are doing that. You see that with the the basketball players and you know, Dwayne Wade was always really good with social media and incorporating stuff like once he got married with Gabrielle Union and then their kids. And so that kind of stuff is going back to what you stated at the very beginning. It comes down to what's your story. Exactly. And it's so funny because it sounds so simple. Oh, it's just your story. And I think that's where we have come down to. It's like we are so overwhelmed with what's out there. We just want a connection. That's really what it's boiled down to. We want to be able to feel like we are connected in some way. Obviously, we feel like we are connected with people all the time because of social media and we're obviously we have this addiction, but it's beautiful if we can really create that into a valuable connection that because we want to feel something. I agree. So let's talk about uh, TV and media right now. So you had a lengthy career in TV and media. Tell me about your career and the highs and also the challenges of being in that industry. Well, I've been in this world for quite some time. I started in NBC6 as an intern, and then I broke into the world of entertainment and lifestyle as a TV host. And at the same time, I mean, dancing was always a passion of mine. So when I started, I became a Miami Dolphins cheerleader. I did that for three years, and I'm originally from Columbia, so I'm bilingual. The team, when I say the team, the Miami Dolphins, they, they gave me an opportunity to be their bilingual spokesperson. So that really opened up a lot of avenues for me. And being with the team for three years, it really gave me the appreciation of the business and it really opened up the doors to sports. But from there, I became a Zumba instructor. And this is before what we see what it is now. I became their national spokesperson for a campaign that I did for two years. I traveled the country and I did their their workouts in Spanish and English and I had my own fitness DVD. And then from there, I became a professional salsa dancer. And um, and listen, it sounds so interesting and you know, sometimes it sounded cool, but this was like highs and lows. It's like always trying to find the next opportunity, right? When you're really trying to find your place in the world of media. And then slowly but surely, I this is what really solidified my, my place in the world of sports. I became the sports reporter and arena host for the Florida Panthers, our hockey team here in South Florida. I was able to create an opportunity for myself and I was with the team for four seasons and that really opened up a lot of doors because I became the the arena host for the FAU football, you know, and I got called by CNN to be, you know, their reporter in Spanish and in English. So when you really are able to tap into that world, you have to be very, very hungry and take a lot of the opportunities that come your way. And my last year with the Florida Panthers, I became their Hispanic marketing director in addition to all their on-camera talent. And then the WWE came, I saw a very unique and interesting opportunity 
they were looking for a Hispanic, a bilingual host and that they can teach. And actually somebody that was not really into wrestling. I'm like, Hey, that sounded like me. And I, I fell in love with it. I was with the company for like a year. I traveled the world with them. I learned about wrestling. I did Spanish and English ring announcing. And that really opened up a lot of opportunities for me. But it really solidified the fact that I really wanted to launch my own brand. And I became a co-author for an Amazon bestseller called Lead with Success. And I think at that time, I experienced a lot of highs and lows in the industry because I mean, it's a lot of sacrifice when you work for teams and especially with the WWE, you're traveling all over the world and you really don't have personal time. And by that time, I had been in the industry for quite some time and I decided that I wanted to do a lot of public speaking and really encourage people in this world. And and if I could help shine a light on what to do and what not to do, it really was my calling. And then from there, I really, I, I really was passionate about just empowering people and inspiring people to just follow their dreams. But this is the roadmap. So I launched with Guts and Grace, which was my brand. And I got invited to a lot of universities and social media conferences to educate people on digital marketing and branding and marketing. That's kind of how it all happened in regards to what led to finally opening up my agency. So it was little, you know, little by little. And, you know, TV has always been a huge part of my career. It still is. I'm a producer a producer and TV host for a TV show called Earth. It's an environmental TV show, and I travel all through the country, and it airs on the Fox News Network. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's what I'm doing in addition to the agency. It's great because it really... I'm still in the game in regards to being on camera. I know what's going on in the world of TV and as a producer, and it keeps my perspective as a storyteller really fresh when I'm helping athletes bring their story to life, their business to life. So I just, I love it. I love it. It keeps me really, really busy, but I mean, this industry is my passion, but there are a lot of challenges that come with it. You know, there's a lot of rejection and there's a lot of work. And sometimes you feel <laughs> that you're spitting your wheels for no reason and you do encounter dark moments. But I think for me was always just so important to stay. If I wanted to stay in this game, I was always very open to reinventing myself. You know, I didn't want to stay stagnant. And in the world of television, you always have to be five steps ahead. And now that social media is such a huge tool, it allowed me to be the leader in my career. I never have to be at the mercy of a producer or a network if I'm relevant or not, because I've experienced it, you know, nothing lasts forever. Your contracts don't get extended. And when that happens, what do you do? When I experienced those lows, I was like, there's no way on earth I'm going to allow other people dictate if I'm successful or not in my craft. And that's why entrepreneurship became so important to me. And that's why creating my own content and my own opportunities really became my priority. Because if you can create something, nobody's ever going to be able to take it away from you. And I think that's really where we go back to being an entrepreneur, launching your brand and not being at the mercy of others for your success and your livelihood. That's long and short of it. (laughs) You know, and one thing that I've noticed too, it seems that more and more women are getting into the field of sports, both TV and media, including podcasts. Your friend Joy Taylor has been very successful, started in Miami. I think at least, I think she was on the radio when I moved there. And now yeah, she's, yeah, she was on radio. Now she's on Fox Sports or FS1 with Colin Cowherd. 
But you've got Kiram Rose. She's married to Jalen Rose on ESPN First Take. You've got Jenny Taft on Fox Sports with the show with Shannon Sharp and um, Skip Bayless. And so, you know, when I was growing up, your your women anchors in sports, it was like Robin Roberts on ESPN. You had Leslie Visser, who's a sideline reporter, or Susie Colbert. But, and Susie was actually a host. She was on like NFL Today. But it seems like more and more women are are getting into it as as not just the sideline reporter, but also the host. But it seems like it's just getting more and more competitive and to get those roles. You've got to really know your stuff, know the sports, be able to communicate well, and really resonate with the audience. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's really great the fact that, you know, the world of sports is embracing the fact that we're, you know, we're here to stay. And in my mind, I mean, I've always been in the world of sports and I've been the only woman in the locker room. That's just always been my world. And although it became my normal, I understand that, you know, we're still evolving. And it's just great because I just think it really just makes the experience of sports a lot more dynamic. There's different points of views, but the stakes are higher and it's more challenging now more than ever to get the opportunity. That's why creating your brand and being able to create something viable for yourself is so important because you just want to be able to stand for so much more than just your on-camera career and, and just bring so much substance. You know, Joy has been able to do that. She's so engaged with her audience on, on social media. She has the trajectory. And all of these female broadcasters are understanding the importance of, of branding yourself. If you don't, you're really missing the boat. I agree. And I, I think the other thing too, just, you know, Joy as an example, I mean, Yes, her, her brother was Jason Taylor, but when you when I listened to her on the air, I mean, she knows her stuff. You know, she, I mean, especially like with football and basketball, I mean, she knows her stuff. And so she's there on her ability as, as a broadcaster because I just think she's really that good. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I mean, you see it. That's why being so, people are going to see right through where you are in regards to talent. And I just think it's important to just know your strengths and be able to play on it. But she's the real deal for sure. Yeah. So, well, this show is called Living the Dream. So I've got to ask you my typical living the dream questions to see if you, Andre Campo, are truly living the dream. So first question. Oh, so <laughs> who are your favorite sports teams and athletes? Uh, it's so funny. I mean, I will always say Miami Dolphins. I am a true Miami Dolphins fan. I've been around for a while. I will be very loyal to them even through their dark times, but I will definitely say the Miami Dolphins. In regards to an athlete, since I've always been around them, I've never been, I've never really had a hero, but I've always, always such a huge fan of Roberto Luongo with the Florida Panthers or goalie. Oh yeah. I remember him. Yeah. He was a fantastic person and just my uh, personal interaction with him was just always very pleasant. And, you know, it's just such a crazy world and there's just so many different types of personalities. And I just always remember having very memorable interviews with him and to be able to have memorable interviews. It's, I really value that. So for sure. Okay. Next question. Who are your biggest mentors? Mentors? I would have to say my mother. And I know it sounds so cliche, but I really wished I had mentors growing up, but my mother has always been the ultimate mentor for me. All right. Good answer. Good answer. That way you had it from the very beginning. Yeah, from the very beginning. And still to this day, I lean on her more than ever. <laughs> so next question. If you could pick three celebrities to go out to dinner with, who would you pick? I would say Barbara Walters, Michelle Obama, and probably Megan Kelly. That's a diverse group right there. So, I mean, Barbara Walters, though, really, I mean... 
for me, she's the OG because when I grew up, I don't know. I just kept on seeing 2020 and that really, I remember seeing Barbara Walters when I was a kid. I was getting ready to say that her and, and Phyllis, Phyllis George was on um, NFL Today as a host. But I mean, Barbara Walters was really the first woman anchor that I just was that household name. <laughs> and that's what I remember, you know, and for her, I will, I honestly think she's the one that really sparked the interest in the world of broadcasting for me. I think she did that for a lot of women. Yeah. So that would be interesting. I, you know, Barbara Walters, I think she's 90 years old now, right? Yeah, she's up there. <laughs> but you talk about her, you know, someone who's transcended her career, she, you know, going from ABC and in, in 2020, but it started The View. So she's always been able to, to fluctuate and be a huge success. That'd be a very interesting dinner right there. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely powerhouses and they've had, you know, their own story and I would honestly be a dream. And I'm not really the type of person to get starstruck because, you know, when you're in this world, it just becomes your normal. But I have tremendous respect for all three. All right. Good answer. Next question. What are your favorite TV shows and movies? You know what? Right now, I'm actually binge watching Mad Men. I know I'm late to the party. Everybody loved that show. Now I'm understanding why people loved it. I love Stranger Things. And uh, let's see another TV show. I mean, like, those are the two right now that are resonating with me. Oh, and the, and the, the show You, that series on Netflix. See, I haven't, I haven't seen any of those shows. I need, I need, to, watch, I need to watch Mad Men, though, because... Oh my gosh, it's so good. I know, I know. <laughs> I love it. Well, what happens with me is, I mean, being a lawyer, you have a long hours and stuff and, you know, you go in, watch, go to the gym. I mean, I love Seinfeld, of course, and a lot of the old movies or the older TV shows, but I've always liked Modern Family. But I'm telling you, as a wrestling fan, I'm having to spend like nine hours a week just trying to keep up with all the content that they generate now. It's so much content right now, which, you know, good for them. It's really hard to keep up with everything. Yeah. All right. Next question. What are your favorite Miami or Fort Lauderdale hotspots? I have a couple. I mean, in Miami, I really love Astra. It's a Greek Mediterranean place. It's, it's a rooftop. It's, a, I think, in the Wynwood. Yeah, in the Wynwood area. I can see it from my, my condo balcony. Really? Yep. So you're familiar with it? I okay. So I love Astra, the Anderson. It's like down my street on 79th. It's a really a, uh, it's a local awesome little retro bar and Louis Bossy on Las Solas in Fort Lauderdale. Yep, I know Louis Bossy. Every time I've been there, it's been pretty packed because whenever I'm in town, um, I go to the church, the Fort Lauderdale First Baptist Church, and so then I afterwards I go over to Las Olas, and you go into Louis Bossy on Sunday, it's always packed. It's always packed. That's usually where I have my business meetings if I'm in Fort Lauderdale. So good answers there. All right. Final question. How's Andrea Campo living the dream? I'm living the dream because I feel like I finally found my my path. You know, it's definitely, it's not just one thing. I am so passionate about helping people bring their brands to life and just really chasing their dream. I'm doing it on my terms. And I think that's really the freedom that I'm able to create what I want to create on a daily basis. I'm definitely incredibly lucky to be able to do that. Yeah, it's always it's always ideal if you can be your own boss and, and make it as your own boss. Absolutely. And let me tell you, yeah, it sounds, I mean, you live the dream, but you also, there's a lot of stressful moments, but I wouldn't change it for anything. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on the show. I really enjoyed the conversation. And thank you so much. This is great. So people can follow you on Instagram at official Andrea Ocampo 
TV. Yes, that's me. And then her website for Throne Media is www.thronemedia.com. So that's T-H-R-O-W-N-M-E-D-I-A. So definitely check it out. Thank you for spelling that out. (laughs) The other thing too, I mean, you know, with my listeners, they're not all from South Florida. So it's like, if you have a company that is in Kentucky or Nashville or wherever, and you want consultation with Andrea, I mean, you don't have to be a South Florida resident or business. No, not at all. We work with actually people from all around the world. And that's why it's it's amazing to be able to just be remote because we can do it anywhere. And we're here, we're here to support your efforts. Well, the other thing too, in Nashville, I mean, that town has been growing by leaps and bounds for many years with the entertainment industry and all that. So anyway, the the idea of the the media is always important no matter where you are. Absolutely. So, well, Andrea, I thank you again for coming on the show. I really enjoyed the the interview and the time and just catching up. And again, folks, uh, her website for Throne Media is www.thronemedia.com. Go check it out. She can help you out. Give Andrea a call or send her an email there. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I know I did always enjoy talking about sports and media and uh, trying to find ways to be as successful as you can. Keep following us on Instagram. My Instagram is at Ben Wilson Miami. And of course, our website is www.benandrodney.com. We hope everybody is adjusting as well as possible during this coronavirus situation. You know, be smart out there and use good judgment. And hopefully by listening to this podcast, we gave you a a little over an hour of some enjoyment and some useful information. So thanks so much and have a great week. Thanks for listening to this episode. Find us online at benandrodney.com and follow us on Instagram at benwilsonmiami.com.